Nelson, Luna. Oh. Nelson Luna is the GOAT. Like, seriously, you get to see him on Sundays, which is awesome. But as you're saying, we, we've gotten closer over the past month. And he has challenged me in the kindest way possible. He truly embodies so much of Jesus where I'll make a mistake and he'll go, hey, that was, that was, um, that was a mistake. But you know what? This is what God is going to do through you. This is what you're called to do. This is the generate. Like, he has encouraged me so much over this past month. So thank you so much, Nelson. And um, he's the GOAT. We are blessed as a church that we have Nelson in our church. Um, unprecedented faith. We're here. It's been amazing so far. I love talking about faith. I've been wrecked by every one of Pastor Julian's messages per usual, but specifically, I feel like they've really hit home in every single one. You know, when you're like, oh God, this feels really specific to me. And I don't know how you're doing that, but I am, I hear you. I hear you. I get the wavelength. I'm, I'm catching on. Um, what's been crazy about what Nelson shared um, after worship and just some things that we talked about before this service started um, is really lining up with what I feel like God has asked me to talk about tonight, which is so cool when that happens. It's such an affirming thing when I've wrote this message 12 times. I want you to know that. (laughs) There was 12 different versions of this. One had way too many scripture. One didn't have enough scripture. It was just a mess. To be honest, this was the... um, this is like the fourth time I've ever spoken a message. And so this was definitely the hardest out of all of them. And um, coming here and hearing from my family and my friends, just different words that were spoken, it felt so unifying. So I'm really excited to speak to you today about faith and having faith that we have never seen before. We've seen a lot of things that we've never seen before. Does that make sense? You get what I'm saying. Um, So let's pray and then let's get into it. Dear God, I thank you so much for the love that you have for us, God. I thank you that you um, gave your son for us and that uh, you designed your world that we would be a part of it that you thought of us before we were even made, that there are so many specifics of who we are that you love about us. And so I pray that we are reminded of that this morning. I pray that you encourage us in our faith, God. There's so many things that have been discouraging. I pray that this word that goes forward this morning would be encouraging to everybody's faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm gonna start with a story. And um, I never like doing this because it feels like the typical way that you're supposed to start a message to like, it's like in school when there was like, what's your catch? I forgot what the language of it was, but the first sentence was always the hook. Like, what are you going to hook people in with? (laughs) I'm not trying to do that right now, but I feel like this is important and it's not going to seem important, but I think it will in the end. So bear with me, bear with me. When talking about unprecedented faith, I was like, okay, unprecedented faith is what we haven't seen before, but what have I seen? What faith have I seen? And when was the last time that I really felt connected to the Lord? And and I feel like (laughs) during the pandemic as well, God has just been kindly reminding me of things that are good because it's so difficult. Um, And one of the things that came to mind um, this past year and also in preparing this message uh, is is my story. So here's the story. Um, It was, I was about to turn 16 and 16th birthdays are a big deal. I don't know why, I think because you get your driver's license and you're like officially a teenager, even though you already were a teenager, whatever. Um, And I really, really, really wanted to go see Maroon 5. Maroon 5 at the time was my favorite band um, and they're not so much my favorite band anymore, but that's okay, I still love them. 
And I really wanted to see them. I really wanted to go see them. And um, the day the tickets went on sale, I was excited. I was ready. But I was also at the church because we had our Saturday morning outreaches. And for those of you who remember Throwback, those were really, really fun. I loved doing them. Uh, that particular day, we were going to a nearby middle school to help clean up. That means, yes, we do need more funding. We do need more funding. If the local church, which I'm so grateful that the local church was there to help clean up, but also our churches or our schools need more funding. Anyways, so we are, it's Saturday morning, it's 10 a.m., the tickets go on sale, and I'm at the church trying to get them, and it just is not happening. It's just not happening. There's those bots, you know the bots that come when there's like a shoe drop and when concerts come out and they just get all the tickets, and all of a sudden, it's sold out. And like, you know that many people didn't buy the tickets. You know that there's something fishy going on. But at the end of the day, you didn't get tickets. Wah, wah. So I get, into, I get into the shuttles that we used to have. For those of you who remember the shuttles, pretty rickety. I'm glad we got rid of those. Um, uh, we're on our way to the middle school. And I just really, I was looking out the window. And I actually vividly remembered this. Um, we were, I was looking out the window and I was like, if the reason why I'm not able to go to Maroon 5 is because I'm at church serving I really feel like God's just going to work it out. Like, I just feel like somehow we're, I'm going to end up going. I don't know what came over me. I don't know why I thought that. I mean, there were a couple other instances where God had done really, really crazy things for me that I was, I think that's where the faith came from. I don't know. I don't know what came over me. Anyways, so some time goes by and I'm waiting to, or, you know, I'm just believing, right? Just doing homework, doing normal high school things. It's been a while. Um, and... A person who I who knew I wanted to go to the show actually ends up meeting the tour manager and the audio engineer for the Maroon 5 tour. They were going on tour, which was crazy, right? And for those of you who don't know who the audio engineer is, they're basically in charge of all the sound, in charge of things coming out and sounding good. <laughs> um, and yeah, so it was crazy. This person had met and they're like, oh my gosh, like, Someone I know really wants to go to your show. Is there any way that they can get tickets at the Staples Center in March? And he goes, yeah, actually, I'll write down this link for you and you can um, go to the show or you can go to this link and you can get friends and family tickets and they're actually discounted, but they're closer to the stage. Um, here you go, have a great time. You think it's the end of the story, don't you? <laughs> but no, but no. So I had, tickets are secured for Staples Center. I'm hyped, I'm ready to go. It's in March, I'm excited, yay, oh my gosh. Before I go to the Staples Center, I actually end up going to New York City for the first time. And I was really excited to go to New York City. I wanted to go, I wanted to be on Broadway. Fun fact about me, that didn't happen. I'm here now. Um, uh, and it was my first time in New York City. And so with being in New York City, you like, for the first time, you have to hit all the touristy things, right? And so I'm like researching and happened to go through music venues. And guess who's playing Madison Square Garden? Maroon 5. And so I go, huh, very interesting. Very, very interesting. I wonder what's going to happen. So I'm in New York City. I reach out to the audio engineer and we actually end up getting coffee, which was crazy. I'm sitting in a Starbucks in New York City with the person who is in charge of the sound of my favorite band. And I am 15 years old and I was so like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that this is happening. I don't even remember what I talked to him about, but it was the craziest experience. And he said, I can't make any promises, but I'll see what I can do for tonight. And I went, okay, okay, Lord? <laughs> Lord? Lord? I want you to picture 15-year-old Jamaica, first time in New York City, 
my first and only time entering Madison Square Garden was backstage. I walked backstage through, I passed their dressing room. Thank God it wasn't open. Thank God I didn't see anybody because I probably would have fainted and that would have been very embarrassing. And the audio engineer gives me this. I brought it as a prop because I was like, this is fun. It's a sticker um, and it was like the badge, right? So I basically was walking around the place like, yes, 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 I have access here. This is my access. I can be here. And he walks me through Madison Square Garden on the floor. Again, first time ever. Ask me what the lobby looks like. I don't know. I never went there. I went backstage. Um, and I sat in the audio booth for the entirety of the show. It was an incredible experience. Definitely my favorite concert I've ever went to. And you might be wondering, why are you telling me this big, long story about Maroon 5? That sounds great, but what does this have to do with unprecedented faith? I believe that has a lot to do with unprecedented faith, but I'm not going to tell you now. So hold on. Um, I believe that this has to do with our friend Nicodemus in John chapter 3. So if everyone wants to go to John chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can, he, how can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus was clearly confused. He was like, what? <laughs> can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh and what is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what, you, of what we know and bear witness of what we've seen, but, we do not but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how could I tell you heavenly things? Now, our friend Nicodemus, I say our friend because I very much relate to this man. I feel like Low-key, I feel like if Jesus was around, I definitely would be a Pharisee. Like, definitely. And I grapple with that a lot, and we're working through it, and I'm trying to get to the place where I'm not, but I definitely would not be easily accepting of some man who was walking around saying he was the Messiah. I would be, it would take me a while. It would take me a while. Um, but what I respect about Nicodemus is that he was curious. That um, It says that he came by night, and there's a couple of theories as to why he came by night. One theory is... Jesus was a busy guy. He saw a lot of people. There was a lot of crowds. He's famous at this point, um, healing a lot of people. He was very busy during the day. So he, it was, you know, they both had responsibilities. So that it was better if they came by night. The other theory, which I think is probably more accurate, is that Nicodemus was actually pretty scared to go see Jesus out of the fear of how he would be perceived by his other Pharisees. Because they automatically shut him down or, you know, automatically were against Jesus because of what all of what he was saying. But Nicodemus was curious. And actually, one of the things that Nelson has been teaching me is, how do you be more curious? And I have loved doing it so far. It's actually a really, really great way to approach life is to ask more questions and be more curious. And so I respect that about Nicodemus. Um, 
when Nicodemus is asking all of these questions, when Nicodemus is asking all these questions, um, you have to remember that all of what Jesus was saying was a foreign concept. Nicodemus is, because he's a, a Pharisee, he had been grown up, had been bred to be a ruler in Jewish law. He had grown up to know everything there is to know about our faith. He's, he's the one who knows everything, right? He is up and he is in high places and he comes to Jesus and Jesus says, hey, everything that you've ever known, not true. Everything that you've been believing, Part, well, parts of it are true and applicable to his time, but I have come to change everything. Everything you ever thought of, it's gone. Null and void. Welcome. So can you imagine being Nicodemus? Imagine that you were like one of the best people who um, sing, right? You knew everything there is to know about singing. There is all of the, I, I'm a singer and I don't even know. <laughs> um, everything about harmonies and like music theory and like you can, you have perfect pitch, which means that if someone like hits a note in air, you know it's like a C flat or whatever. I don't even think that's a thing. Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is embarrassing. All the musicians are laughing at me. Everything's fine. Thank you so much. Um, imagine if you knew everything and you came and had a question. <laughs> They're really laughing. Um, <laughs> you came, someone came and, uh, you came and asked a question to somebody who seems to actually know a little bit about music. And they said, hey, guess what? Yeah. Nope. Yeah. What would your response be? Your response would be, no, 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 no. I know. I know. I know. Wait, I know. Do I know? Maybe I don't know. Do I not know? Has this whole time been something that I didn't know? And as we hear more about Nicodemus later, which I didn't actually include in here, I believe that he actually let go of the old ways that he was thinking. He was still a part of the Pharisees, but I think that in that encounter that he had with Jesus, he had the revelation that he wasn't right. And that's humbling. Like, the definition of humbling. And I believe in order to have unprecedented faith, we have to let go of some things. I think a lot of us think we know. And that's fair, right? It's so fair to, you've grown up and you're like, I know, I'm confident. I'm confident. I have learned. I have studied. I've gone to college. I have had experience. And I know. But I ask you today, what do you have to let go of? When I was thinking about Maroon 5 and thinking about back in the day and thinking about different faith stories that I had, I had the revelation that there are some things that I need to unlearn and there's some things that I need to resurrect. There's some simplicities that I used to just naturally do that through growing up and getting older, I no longer do anymore. The innocence that I had has kind of faded away. In Matthew 18, one through four, it says, and you probably know this scripture, but I'm gonna read it to you anyway. Um, at the time that the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest of the kingdom of heaven? The disciples are asking, who, who is the greatest in the kingdom? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I believe that this year, if you lay down everything you thought you knew, you're going to experience the greatest thing that can happen to you. 
everything that you thought you knew, all your preconceived notions about a lot of things, I believe if you let them down, lay them down at the foot of the cross and you ask God, hey, I'm just here. I'm here. I want to be like a child again. I don't, uh, chill. come on, you know, chill. name a child that you know. I think of Dallas and Bailey because I spent a lot of time with them and they don't know what's going on at all. They're just along for the ride. I respect it. Uh, Dallas is out here with his Michael Jackson outfit and he's like, wait, 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 I don't know where we're going, but like, give me one second. I want to show you this move really quick. And then he goes to YouTube and like backs it up and is like, okay, wait, wait, I don't know where we're, where we're going, but like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do this move for you. And I respect that so much. They have this trust that their parents have them that my parents have got me. Wherever we're supposed to go, whenever we're supposed to do, they've got my back. Um, there's this Netflix show that I haven't watched, but a lot of people are talking about called The Minimalist. Are you familiar? You might, may or may not be familiar. I watched the trailer before this to kind of get some context. Um, so that means I'm an expert in minimalism now. I'm definitely not. I'm definitely not. I'm definitely not. Um, but... I respect minimalists. I respect them. Like, I like to think I'm a minimalist. I'm definitely not. You should see all the stuff that's in my room right now. Um, but I like the idea of letting things go. I like the idea of not having to need so many things. And in the trailer, it talks about, in the trailer, this is so funny. Um, in the trailer, it talks about um, like needing things and the addiction to needing things. And at the very, very end, there was a quote of a guy who was talking, don't know who he was, but he said this, and I thought it was profound. We are binging on all the wrong things and starving on what really matters. We are, we are quicker, this, is, this part was me. We are quicker to get rid of things on the outside than on the inside of us. I believe it's easier to go through your house and get rid of, I have three, at my house, there's three, we have two other roommates and we moved in, all three of us had crock pots. So we all brought our crock pots and we all still have our crock pots. And I think I've used mine once in the two and a half years of us living together. Why do we have three crock pots? But guess what? It would be much, much easier to get rid of two of the three crock pots before addressing the things that are within inside of me that, that hold me back and my thinking and the things that I think that I know. So I understand that this is, this is really, really difficult, but I think that we've got to simplify We've got to minimalize all of the things that we think about. We overcomplicate our faith a lot. We want to be better. We want to know more. And, and God appreciates that, that you're seeking him. But I think we take it upon ourselves to be something different. We, t we, we hear what Pastor Julian talks about on Sunday and we go, okay, thank you so much for that. It's like if Jesus was this table. It's like, cool, Jesus, thank you for saying that. I'm going to go figure that out. And we go over here and we do this and this and this and this. And then we're like, okay, it's Sunday again. I'm gonna go, wow. what'd you say? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you said. That's what you said. Okay, cool. Um, and we're actually not even addressing anything. Um, uh, the pastor of Hillsong, California, Courtney and Sam Lopez are some of the people I admire most on this earth and they don't even know that. So if you happen to be watching this, <laughs> shout out to you. Um, I've admired Courtney for years and years and years, and she is amazing, and they're both amazing people. And I was watching Pastor Sam's message um, from Hillsong, California, that you can watch, um, and it was incredible. He said some really incredible things. My favorite thing that he said that I think applies to this minimal minimalism is, God doesn't do something externally until he's worked something in you internally. There's things that God wants to work inside of you so that you're able to sustain the things that happen outside of you. And that's the whole point of this. I think that 
you know, we, we want to just be better and we, so we can have the thing. We want to be better so we can have the thing when really God is just trying to int- bring that intimacy as a child and a father so that we, we build that faith with him. We build this trust. We build this intimacy. That was what was designed all along. All along, that's what he, his, his creation was about. That's what his restorative plan was about is that we would have this beautiful, beautiful intimacy with him as father and son and father and daughter. Now, the Maroon 5 story, right? You're like, what does that have to do with anything? And the reason why that's such a special story to me, if I had a book in the Bible, like, say, Jamaica was the title. (laughs) This, This story would be in Jamaica 4. And you might be like, why? Like, that story has nothing to do with the healing of the world. It has nothing to do with world peace. It has nothing to do with whatever we view as important as Christians. But I think it's extremely important because I have never, there are a few times that I have felt so seen by God. There was no reason why I went to the Maroon 5 concert. That didn't solve world hunger. That didn't, you know, bring people to Jesus. It was just for me. It was just for me. And Nicodemus is sitting asking Jesus questions because he cannot fathom who Jesus is. He cannot wrap his logical brain around why God would be God. Why would Jesus send his son? Why? Why would you do that for me? Why would you, a 15-year-old girl from Seattle, Washington, what does it matter? Who does it affect? I have never felt more seen by my Father in heaven. And God looks at me every single day like that. And I get so caught up in what I got to do that I'm missing how much he cares about me. He cares about me, not about all the crap that I'm trying to do. He doesn't care about my dreams and goals. I mean, he does because he cares about me. He cares about me and the specifics and the intricacies of me. Why would he do that? Because he loves us. That was what this whole thing is for. We get so, so caught up in all of the things that we have to do. We get caught up in the day-to-day. We get caught up in people-pleasing. We get caught up in, in doing the right things. And we miss the fact that Jesus came and died because he loves us. And I think that that's what Jesus is trying to tell Nicodemus. I think all of that point, all of, he says a lot of things, but basically he's saying is you don't need to know all that. We've made coming to God overcomplicated. Yep. It's not that complicated. We don't have to say 50 Hail, Hail Marys. We don't have to even sacrifice a lamb like we used to. We can just come into his presence. And I think we take that for granted a lot. Yeah. You know, it's like having a house. And I feel like if Jesus came to our house, the first thing we would think of is we got to clean everything up. We got to shove stuff in closets and Jesus is coming. But I believe religion is cleaning things up. Okay, great. How do I look on the outside? Let me clean things up. And Christianity is repentance. God, I need you. I need you. And what's crazy is he knows. It's, it's like this, I think part of faith is, is getting us to realize where we're actually at. Where are we actually at? And believing that 
God, is, God knew the whole time, and that actually didn't change how he viewed us. God loves us so much. When's the last time that you've had a moment like that? Can you take a second and think about it? Can you remember? That's what I love about that song, Nothing Else, is because it reminds you of like the first time that you encountered Jesus. And what's crazy about the Rune 5 story is that so many tangible things on the outside were happening to me that was like, okay, clearly this is God. And the more I matured in my faith, the less those th- that those things happened. And a lot of, I, I'm sure that a lot of people can relate. I think that I've, I've talked to a bunch of friends where it's like, yeah, God used to do all this stuff for me. And then all of a sudden it just stopped. I don't know what happened. But I believe that's part of the maturing process. I believe that in our maturing we focus on different things and then different things happen. But I believe in order to have unprecedented faith, we have to have both. It's the thing that we unlearn and the things that we need to resurrect. What do we need to resurrect about the beginning of our faith along with the things that we've learned? The things that are good about God, not the things that are preconceived notions, but the things that are good about our Father in heaven. What's crazy about the scripture, and I don't know if you caught this yet, but that this is in John 3. And what's significant about John 3, you may ask? I hope you would know. Um, John 3.16. The most famous scripture in all of the Bible is John 3.16. A conversation that happened with a Pharisee being curious sparked the greatest scripture in all of the Bible. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. We're not condemned. God isn't waiting for us to figure something out so that this pandemic will be over. God isn't waiting for us to figure something out so that we'll get a job or that we'll get what we want or that we'll be able to go to the Maroon 5 concert. God wants us to... Just be. We're so hard on ourselves. Just be. Children, the best part about children is they're just there. That they're themselves. I did a yoga class with Elise before the pandemic, obviously. She led the class. She's a great yoga instructor. And um, it's really hard. It's hot yoga. And it, you know, it's a lot. And um, there's a warm-up at the beginning. And then there's like a cool down at the end. And... Uh, the war, it was great. I almost died, which is classic me in that. And the cool down happens. And so I'm hyped. This is my favorite part where we just get to lay on our mats and do nothing. <laughs> to do nothing. It's amazing. And I was laying on my mat and I was like, hype, this is so great. And Elise starts talking about stillness and the importance of stillness and how we're always in such a rush. And I was like, dang, this is really, really great. And the woman next to me starts rolling up her mat. And just like getting all ready and and leaves. And I was sitting there being like, when did it become so unimportant to be still? Mm -hmm. When did it it become so unimportant to just not do anything? To not offer up any information? To not know everything? When did that become a bad thing? Because as I was watching her exit, I was like, well, you know, maybe she has something to go do. And I'm like... But she might have had something to go do halfway through the class and she powered through the rest of it 
and then left. Why wasn't the cool down important? Why wasn't the stillness important? I don't, I believe that we don't value stillness anymore. We don't value just being, just being a child. We have to be the person who's the expert. And we feel bad about ourselves if we're not the expert. I do that all the time. Back to my conversations with Nelson. Nelson knows so many things. Julian is getting frustrated. Also my conversations with Julian. (laughs) Um, They're both such incredible leaders and they offer up so much. And every time I have a conversation with them, I'm so encouraged, but I also go, man, I got a long way to go. I got a long way to go. And that's not the point of all this. And I think that's part of what Julian was talking about last week with faith looks like failure is we don't have to know everything. We don't have to know. We can just be in the presence of God. And so today, I hope that you are reminded of how loved you are, that that's what this was all about. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that we would have eternal life, that we would be with our Father in heaven forever and ever and ever. Let me pray for you as we go back into worship. Dear God, I thank you so much that you love us. I pray that you would guide us in how to let go. God, I pray that you would comfort us in the fact that we don't know. I pray that you would remind us that you've got our backs, God, that there is a safety net under us, that you've got us, that you care about us more than what we do, more than who we are to people, more than this world even. You care about us individually as your children. I pray that we are encouraged by that. I pray that we are reminded of that every day as we get up and face a world that is dark, that doesn't make any sense. I pray that we are reminded of why we are here on this planet. And that's because you love us. We love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.